Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekly Daily Podcast. My name is Chris, and joining me is our co-host, Beck. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing great, Beck. How are you? Pretty good. It's been a pretty normal day. I, I spent most of the day dealing with cat stuff because I'm getting a new cat, and uh, that's been a lot. But outside of that, uh, just, it's been pretty nice just chilling outside, and it's not snowing, which is nice for once, even though it's going to snow again next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, today's been pretty good for me. I mean, the weather out here is also pretty good. I spent the day, most of my day consisted of either going to the supplement store to buy supplements because my body is broken. Uh, also figuring out how to make uh poke. I don't know if you're familiar with poke. I think I am. Like the poke, but it's like fish and on rice, basically. Okay, uh, yeah. But we didn't use raw fish. We use like, we, we don't want to mess with raw fish. We'll use like imitation crab and like smoked salmon and stuff like that. Uh, That's good. Yeah. uh, My wife's been wanting that. So I've been trying to get into that. So we got a bunch of ingredients and messed with that for a bit. Turned out pretty good. That's great. Got to buy some Japanese mayo, which is just mayo, but thick. (laughs) That's, that sounds Japanese. (laughs) That's, that's pretty much it. I don't (laughs) It's mayo, uh, but it's thick with three C's. <laughs> three C's. That was one more C oh, than I got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, um, you playing any games? Um, let me see. I, I went back to Elden Ring for a hot minute. Um, not, um, because I was like, I'm at the precipice of like, you've beaten the game. Do you want to go to go to New Game Plus? And I decided just not to like that. Last time I played, that's what I decided on because I'm like, I don't know what else I want to do with this character, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start looking up stuff since I'm I'm done with the game. I could just you know watch videos now, look up lore videos, and just enjoy it. And I was like, ah, oh, there's a whole like boss I didn't do, like a whole boss's area. So I went and did that, and I, I think I got all the remembrances, which is like all of the bigger bosses, um, uh, like soul item to like get a weapon from that soul, right. Or, or rune, I guess it's rune, it's like a greater rune type of thing. Yeah, it's pretty much uh, like the Dark Souls, like the big, the, the boss souls you would get. Yeah, it's the same exact thing where you can just crush them and get souls out of them a significant amount. Uh, I did that, and I got like some extra like spells and stuff I walked past. I wasn't doing like a full-on caster at the time. Um, and then I made, and I went and made my character, like I, I, I intend to go into New Game Plus as like a different build, and I made my character look exactly like Ronnie, <laughs> so made her like blue and stuff in the face. And I looked up some other people's like uh, I don't know face level sliders. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Whenever you yeah, when you mess with sliders, I, I looked up some other people who did it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I spent like ten minutes just like copying what they did, and I'm like, okay, so now all I have to do is go take the item to reset my character's stats, and then I can just go in new new game plus as like a level 150 like spellcaster just nuke stuff have another ronnie simp on our hands it sounds like always from the start as <laughs> <laughs> soon as i saw her and her uh, four hands and massive hat i was like I, I, i'm into this um yeah i think that's really all i've been doing i got like outside the usual like league legends every now and then uh how about you um I gotta say, I haven't really been doing too much personally. I do know one game that we've been trying out that we've both been trying out with our friends, which is uh, New World. That one had a a free week this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that we did that. Yeah, I Um, mean, you know, (laughs) I could say it might have been forgettable. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What was your impression of it? So you guys got to play it a little bit before me. like I think you guys played the day the day before I got to play, so it was like Friday, and then I got to play Saturday with you guys. Yeah, we um, did what I would call QA testing. <laughs> uh, whenever you're describing it to me, you're like, "Oh, we're not exactly going to start in the same area." I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? Can't you just pick where you start?" And you guys are like, "No, you get you get stuck between uh, three different shorelines, right?" Yeah, you start on a beach no matter what. Just yeah, which yeah. beach is the problem? I thought that was. Uh, not great if you're intending to just play rough about with friends, but 
I don't, I don't know if that that's the intent. Is maybe you're not supposed to start right off the bat with friends, but that that was whatever. That uh, seems we all got... odd for a massively multiplayer game. <laughs> yeah, to not want to start off with friends to make it not conducive to playing with other people. To me, yeah. Um, we got to just like kill some boards and stuff, do all the intro stuff. Like we played a lot more than we thought we we would. I think we got up uh, all the way up to the point where you could pick our group out of the three groups like the barbarian-esque like people the religious people and the like science magic-y purple people um that's about as far as we got i enjoyed like the combat um allocating stats however much insignificant it felt at low levels uh i like the variety of weapons I don't know what to say for the story. I, I was kind of like mashing through it. I normally don't do that in MMOs, but whenever, whenever you're in a group of four, I just mashed through it. Did you get any impact or anything interesting from the story? Oh, I skipped hard. I mean, okay. the premise of the game alone had me like turned off on the story. So I was definitely only there to see if it was gameplay I cared about. Really? Was, really? I mean, colonialism is not like my thing. <laughs> I don't know. Colonialism <laughs> isn't exactly a great thing. So no, no, to no, have no, a whole is... game who, who's like aesthetic and like general vibe starts off as that is like, nah, I'm not I'm not here for the story. I don't want to hear about I I'm almost certain that some part of the game involves you like killing native people somehow. Yeah, you kill a lot of zombies. I could say that and boars and wolves. Yeah, turkey. Killed a turkey. I'm like, I don't kill many of those in games. I guess most games aren't based in like an American esque area. Right. That's that's like I said. It's part of my turn off. Is yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, to me, it like interested me. Like I'm not into it either. Like I I like uh, El Dorado, like the cartoon movie. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie. It's the same time period, pretty much. I believe like colonialism, Spaniard looking knights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also wasn't that interested in it from a like I'm interested aspect. Like I'm into this. Like I, I love high fantasy and mag- magic, like slinging some spells and stuff. It's got that, but like that that era isn't interesting to me. And may- maybe it'll be interesting to more people the further we get from it. <laughs> kind of how like we like whenever people are like I like fantasy games knights and st- knights and archers and wizards like maybe if people get further enough away from colonialism they'll be like yeah I want some muskets and spaniard looking people I, I don't know uh there is like cool magic I-, I like that like there's literally a fire staff so that's there's no way we had that back in colonial times I don't think it's true I mean we can't be certain but probably not <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I think um, for the most part, what I feel like kept us interested was just getting to try new weapons constantly. Like we didn't get to try all the weapons, I think, uh, collectively, like we didn't each try every weapon that was available. We would keep swapping every time we would get a new one. Uh, That was the main part that kept us interested, I would say. Yeah, like it kind of rewards you for just using that weapon for a bit like i think you can max out any weapon you want or at least get it far enough that you can like use all the abilities with it right. I, I got a few weapons over a course of playing to like to the point where i had three skills like i got the ice gauntlet to three because i i have after we got it like i hopped back on and just played around for that bit for a bit and like played around with the two different trees of skills which was some variety there i, I liked that um i didn't get to play with like uh rapier I don't think I, I was high enough level, or I, I just never found one. I didn't find uh, like, one either. You could aim all of the projectile-based weapons for, like, headshots mattered. Or you could make a weapon that was ranged, ma- have a headshot matter. Like, the, the hatchet was a melee weapon, but you could spec into it being ranged, and then you had to spec into like, put a point into it so that um, headshots crit. Or something like that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's different. So yeah. we didn't really get to experience any of the like big world PvP 
No, I I don't think so. I mean, we got to a point where we could theoretically flag ourselves, but we didn't do anything with that. Yeah. It seemed like a bad idea to try that. Yeah, it always is an MMO where you're just getting ganked by someone from a different faction. Isn't exactly a great experience. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the scaling works. I imagine that it's just in the open world, you're just what level you are and they're what level they are. And we did see, I do remember seeing some like higher level people just running around. I can't remember if this was like a pre-beta thing, because this, this game had a lot of problems in its early stages, where th- I think there was scaling, where lower level people could just like murder high level people. Oh, okay. Well then. Similar to like how like World of Warcraft implemented that later on and if you queued up for PvP, uh, the scaling was in your favor if you were lower level. Okay. For a while, then they then they did away with that and made it more balanced. Right. Well, overall, I, I could say yeah, like <laughs> yeah, just, I, I don't mean, think we played it enough. We didn't play enough, honestly. From what I got, I feel like I wouldn't pay more than twenty dollars. Like the it's forty dollars without yeah. Uh, sale going on I think like I $20 is the absolute cap and the only way I would do that is if everyone I knew was like I'm gonna play this now then I'd be like yeah sure I think if I were just buying a game on my own I would not purchase that for $20 I agree yeah I think that's my verdict like it's it's got some fun in the combat but seeing the trees seeing everything else I know there's not much going on after a while. Like once you get dug in to the content, you're not going to have a whole lot to get through later on. Yeah, I think it did get like a an update. So there is more end game stuff than there was when it first came out. But we, I, I can't say anything about it. Didn't get far enough to say. So yeah, that was our experience with the free to play weekend or right. day per se. Yeah. I don't know. If it has another free weekend, maybe I'll see again if we can get yeah. farther, especially if it lets us keep our characters. Yeah, I'll have to reinstall it. Yeah. All right, well, we can uh, go ahead and get started on the news here. We got a few things to get through today. Yeah. Uh, First thing we got here, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard about it by now, but for the 20th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts, uh, during the celebration, they announced a couple games. Uh, first off, they obviously announced Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, they showed a trailer for that, as well as Kingdom Hearts Missing Link for mobile. Uh, we saw the trailer. It's like a story trailer for Kingdom Hearts 4. There wasn't... I don't think there was like too much in the way of like gameplay or anything, obviously. So we got to see Sora a bit older, it looks like. Yeah, he looks like his hair is more done. The environments look... Like, it's graphically better. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, saying much. I never really got to play the third game. I, I played a lot of the other ones. So I I don't I don't know what to say for the story. Yeah. I, I mean, I own the third one. I never I just have it wrapped up on my um, uh, on, on my like, PS4. I was just like, it's there. Just play me. But I'm just like, I, uh, I'll play something else. It's not as crazy as Kingdom Hearts. To be fair, people who have played Kingdom Hearts, like all the games, couldn't always give you the story. (laughs) There's a lot going on. (laughs) There is a lot. Uh, Missing Link is another game. We haven't really seen any uh, anything for that, but uh, it is going to be a mobile game. I know they had another mobile game. I think they talked about it at some point, uh, like Union Cross. That's the one that's up already. Uh, That game's like a big prequel game so mm-hmm. i'd like cover story before all the kingdom hearts like way before yeah it's canon for it's a mobile game that's canon a gotcha game and i saw that that's also getting an update as well uh, uh like a story update sure. so yeah that that's pretty much it it was during a uh live show uh, for, that was celebrating the 20th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts. The live show had uh, live music, art presentations. It also had live appearances from senior, uh, the series director, Tetsuya Nomura, uh, as well as some of the other team members uh, involved. 
hopefully this one has more like um Final Fantasy stuff. From what I understand, the third one just lacked any Final Fantasy stuff. It's just all Disney. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I the only thing that I know for certain is people were claiming that they saw stuff for Star Wars in the uh Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer, so no one said anything about Final Fantasy. Lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, Keyblade Lightsaber. I mean that was already kind of a thing. Some of those bosses had some crazy lightsaber looking attacks. I mean, Kylo Ren has a pretty silly lightsaber, so I feel like they could make like a Keyblade lightsaber. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine what that would look like, but go for it. Ah, okay. Let's let's talk about what we got here next, which is uh Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh man, that's an... always in the news for gaming, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only gaming, nothing else. Nothing else. They own a 96% stake in SNK. SNK makers of King of Fighters and Samurai Showdown to name a few. Uh this is weird. It is weird. They wow. it's not as weird as it sounds oddly enough. But uh, it was bought through the Electronic Game Development Company, which is actually owned by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, he originally, through that company, bought a 33% stake in SNK back in November of 2020 uh, before upping it now to the 96% in February. Uh, the reason I say like it's not as surprising as you would say is if you follow Saudi Arabia even lightly, they they come up in the news a lot for doing this thing where they they like to inject themselves into certain pop culture things, try to uh, improve their image. They did a thing with WWE a while back uh, where they brought WWE there. Uh They've done some other things with like tech conferences and stuff, trying to improve their image that way. They're trying to like also set up an esports thing now, it seems like, which makes sense to buy out SNK. Uh, King of Fighters, I would say that probably has a niche thing where having uh, like its own thing somewhere else might be worthwhile. So it makes sense in that sense. Yeah, maybe this will bring King of Fighters to the forefront more because, like, lately a lot of fighting games, like, focus has been on, like, a Smash game or on Guilty Gear uh, or, like, there's a new Street Fighter coming out. It seems like those games are always more in the forefront than King of Fighters. Yeah, I would say so. So yeah, like I said, it's not entirely out of left field. Uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, particularly Mohammed bin Salman uh, really tries to improve Saudi Arabia's image despite having a lot of human rights offenses. Uh, obviously, yeah. there was the murder of um, uh, Khashoggi, the um, uh, journalist sure. for Washington Post a few years back. So that was the biggest thing, but they've also had weird things going on like for example when it comes to uh, women's rights uh he's considered progressive but also uh not he does this thing where he gives women he he gave the women more rights but also shortly before that uh ended up arresting a lot of protesters and stuff like that before that so it was like kind of like trying to quell the opposition to uh the uh, offenses before just outright eliminating the offenses. Uh, it's it's really weird, but this is another thing in that sort of bid to improve their image. Maybe we're in a weird timeline. Like this isn't. Oh, it is a weird. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we started this podcast, and I was like, oh, I get to. I mean, sure, like some parts of gaming suck, but you know, I get to talk about the release of Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kingdom Hearts Four. You know, being announced. And then it ends up the very next story being Saudi Arabia owns SNK now. Yeah, yeah. It's that's just so strange to be talking about <laughs> gaming news. 
like I, I don't have like TV personally, but I still get news things that'll just be like Saudi Arabia does something horrible or so, they, they're funding some billionaire, and it's just like okay, but video games, right? It's just weird. It's random. It's pretty wild. This isn't gonna make me like them anymore. No, it it shouldn't. I would hope that people don't like them more for this, but who knows? Now, if they bought Pokemon. Oh, boy, that would be just inner turmoil for you. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I can see it now. All right, let's continue our weird timeline. Um, Axie Infinity, uh, you brought up this story to me uh, before I looked into it. Yeah, so we so we did talk about Axie Infinity before. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those. It's a cryptocurrency game where you essentially collect little monsters, and then I say collect, you buy them with your cryptocurrency, and you can breed them to get these crossbreed versions of them, which have their own inherent uh, worth if they have their like stat right stats or. Uh, stats people want for the game and that's kind of how the game itself um propagates the nfts and the cryptocurrency uh but something bad happened to it bad is an understatement uh march 23rd about 600 million it was actually around 625 million uh and crypto was stolen from uh the axie infinity developers guy mavis's blockchain uh, this was actually found six days later when a user had trouble making a withdrawal. Uh, after that, they froze transactions to survey the damage. Uh, when we were talking about it, I mean, this is one of those things where I think crypto is just really hard to understand. So I think we were both like, how, how does that even happen? Because I thought that was the whole point of the blockchain was to like prevent stuff like that. Yeah, that it was safe. I think people like, investing in specifically to say this game or like their worry wasn't it getting hacked their worry was making a bad investment at the very worst this was supposed to be like i don't want to say unhackable but fairly safe as far as just your money being there yeah um it turns out uh they they did tell us the reason why this happened uh so what had actually happened was that the hack involved uh, the validation process of their Ronin network bridge. I'm not going to get too into it because my eyes glazed over trying to read the specifics. Uh, basically, that network, the Ronin network bridge is a go-between between Axie Infinity's blockchain and other blockchains like uh, Ethereum, for example. Uh, so that network uh, was hacked via its validation process. Sky Mavis themselves admitted that the breach was due to vulnerabilities in that process that were created by uh, trade-offs that were made between security and performance for uh, in order to have like mainstream adoption. What that means basically is that they inherently made the validation process uh, easier and more accessible uh, with the goal of trying to get more people to... Uh, buy into the game uh if it's easier to use and it's uh not as hard on your devices and stuff like that it's going to be more attractive to try out if it's really hard to use uh the system that's inherently part of the game then you're not going to want to do it yeah the Um, user interface is dog shit (laughs) yeah you don't want to play it so they they freely admitted that that was basically their bad um so since then, they've announced that the network uh, that does that will be down for potentially weeks while they uh, do security updates on it. Uh, there is a company called Binance that, uh, along with other investors, has invested about $150 million in uh, providing a sort of relief fund to get people their money back. Sky Mavis is using that plus their own uh, balance books, their own funds, to uh pay back the people who lost their crypto yeah okay weren't they also like asking for donations uh i didn't see any of that in uh what i read 
So I don't, okay. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, that would be silly uh, in my mind if they did that. Uh, it, although yeah. I also think it's inherently weird that companies just volunteer uh, a lump sum of $150 million uh, to like give back to people. Uh, I imagine there's some ulterior motives there. Otherwise, uh, crypto companies are just very generous. My guess is maybe they, this was like just they were maybe like a backup thing. Like, hey, something bad happens. You need to flood us with some money to keep people on their good side. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Um, pretty, pretty sus. Yeah, one of the companies, like I said, is actually Binance. They were the leading investor. Uh, they also uh, said that they set up a system for people to continue making withdrawals uh, from Axie Infinity uh, from their blockchain while that Ronin network bridge that I talked about is down. So people should be able to uh, use it that way at least. Uh, again, I'm not sure on the specifics. I've never actually played Axie Infinity because I'm not putting money into this. But... No, I, I back whenever we researched the game, like we wanted to talk about it as like a thing. I did do like a lot of research into it. I watched videos, and it just made me annoyed that it's just a lot of douchebaggy guys just being. This is how you invest, and this is you're you're always gonna plus off of this. And I was just like, I'm not interested. I don't care how cute these creatures look. I, I just don't care. Yeah. Uh. Well, you're gonna love this too. Um, despite all this happening, uh, the developer Sky Mavis has still opted to release an alpha version of their next game, Axie Infinity Origins. Uh, the CEO of Sky Mavis, Trung Nguyen, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, uh, he said, quote, as a team, we have made an intentional decision to focus on what lies ahead. Uh... I don't know. Like, I guess if people get their money back, that's fine. But uh, it is it is wild that this that's a lot of money, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much money in total that they they, they have. Like, I hope this just isn't like a drop of water for them. But yeah, I, I don't that they yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot, and. It's a lot that's in their hands that involves other people, almost as if they were a bank, which is not good because they're not a bank. So they're not beholden to anything. They might be nice enough to return the money, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to unless like someone forces them to uh, banks. When they lose money they they have regulations. So someone gets in trouble. Ideally, I mean, in practice, at least in America, it's not always the case. But, um, yeah, they kind of, in some ways, feel like, like, hearing this story, I'm like, well, if they had other people's money, that's kind of like a bank. Kind of. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of scary when you hear about stuff like that. Uh, as much as I would say that crypto is a silly concept and maybe you shouldn't do it, I also acknowledge that those people uh, put their money into it and they should have their... Uh, assets safe. True, true. It, yeah. th this is the like. I would say this is the risk they take by just handing over money and investing just in a currency and expecting it to have um, positive dividends. But yeah, the idea was that this. It isn't hackable. Was the idea, and it, it exactly didn't get hacked. The in between did. So, yeah, I mean, and that's. To me, at the end of the day, like when I heard about that aspect of crypto, to me, I was like, well, yeah, sure, now, but eventually, right? Because nothing is ever 100% safe unless it's entirely inaccessible, at which point you wouldn't be able to get it. Like, if you can get something or give something, it is inherently uh, not safe, entirely 100% safe from being stolen, you know? Like, yeah. Even if it's just technic uh, technology or technological money, like electric digits being sent around, like it's still traveling. It's not in a safe under the crust of the earth. Like it it's moving somewhere and it is accessible in some way, shape, or form. That's why like banks get robbed. Like banks 
have to do business. So they inherently have money going in and out of it, which means that theoretically the money can be taken by someone that shouldn't have it. Yeah. So when I hear like, oh, unhackable, unstealable, un whatever, like maybe right now, but probably not later. It's on the blockchain. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I think I know what that means, I figure out I don't know what it means. Yeah, who knows what that means? Oh, okay, I'm done with this. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Let's talk about something more lighthearted and fun. Let's talk about Lego Star Wars. Well, we just talked about this last week. We sure did. And boy, are we, I promised we'd talk about it again. And if you recall, it wasn't a good reason. And here I am. (laughs) Here you are, talking about the things we love, video games. Okay, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, uh, developed by TT Games, was released recently. We talked about it last week. Uh, It was released after nearly five years of development. Also recently, former and current employees uh, came forward to Polygon with reports regarding heavy crunch culture in relation to the Skywalker saga. Uh, This is a total of over 30 employees. Uh, They all remained anonymous due to uh, non-disclosure agreements. Um, They all came forward to Polygon specifically to talk to them about it. Um, I want to give some background on the company first. Uh, Traveler's Tales was a British company. It was founded in 1989 by John Burton. Uh, in 2005, that's when the first Lego Star Wars was released. Shortly after that, uh, they acquired a publisher, Giant Interactive, and that formed TT Games, which is the company we know today. Uh, in 2007, they were bought out by De- uh, Warner Brothers Games. That's just a short, brief history on who they are and what they are so we can establish that going forward. I feel like I haven't heard of them. <laughs> I feel like I haven't heard that name, no. Which is, like, I do remember, like, playing the original Lego Star Wars, right? Like, okay. I don't... I don't remember playing it. I just, as I said last week, I was just, I, I played one of them. I didn't look at the publishers or developers. Yeah, it's not something I guess I ever thought about. It's game. But now yeah. we're thinking about it. Sadly. Um... So, yeah, they they were specifically talking about Skywalker Saga, but also a lot of these employees have said that this has been going on for a while, uh, well before Skywalker Saga, for about 15 years. Uh, There are six employees, for example, who recall working under TT Games founder John Burton. Uh, They would try to leave on time, only to be yelled at to return to their desks. There are other employees who recall being followed out by... uh, development leads uh they would be followed out of the building and they would be just kind of harassed asked like why are you even here why did you take this job uh why are you even loyal to this company etc uh i'm paraphrasing i'm sure uh so sounds lovely (laughs) yeah uh employees describe being guilted into overtime uh one employee said quote it was a very soft-spoken blackmail if people don't don't start doing overtime, there's going to be problems. Um, this is something that like hits me in a way. Okay. Yeah, uh, I used to work at a casino as a bar porter slash bartender. The bar porter portion was absolute hell for me. Uh, I would just be con- I would be constantly working, doing my job. I would walk several miles a day across the boat. Uh, hauling heavy equipment and stuff like that, uh, just like beer uh, cases and stuff like that, just like up to 30 beer cases at a time on this wheel thing. There's a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of exhausting, grueling work. And I would always get yelled at at the end of the day for not having done enough. And oftentimes, there were many times that I was the only person working that day across an entire casino. There were no other bar porters. It was just me, and I would get yelled at. And what would would they say? They would be like, you're not doing enough. Why are you leaving right now? You can't just leave this like this stuff like that. And that's why I'm like, this hits me because it's like they would they would do that to you. They would guilt you. They would make you feel bad for not doing all the work that's there as your single person, knowing that someone is coming next shift 
that is going to have to take it up. And they would make you feel bad about it. And that's that's how stuff like this works a lot of the time is a lot of it is about guilting you based on uh, your peers, right? Like you're not doing enough of your job. That means you're making someone else do way too much work and you should feel bad and you should do more about it. Even though logically one person can only output the amount of work they put out. Like I was, I was dog tired. I was, that was the skinniest I've ever been because I didn't have time to eat, uh, take breaks. Like I was just constantly moving the whole entire time. It was the strongest I've ever been too. But like, uh, I didn't have time to do anything because I was always working. I was at my hundred percent theoretical output as a human being. And they were trying to get 110% out of me. And I'm like, that is not possible. If you empty a hundred percent of a cup, there is no more water in there. It is gone. What if you, what if you spit in it? And then, then that would that. not be water. Okay. <laughs> so that's like, I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I don't know. You, you've worked some crappy jobs before. I don't know if you've had stuff like that. I did get to a point, obviously where I'm like, no, screw you. I don't, I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this. Game. I'm leaving now clocking out end of my shift but this has happened this stuff is like it's relatable to me because they do that stuff and that's how they do it i don't i've never i don't think i've ever had the thing where like they just they 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 would like guilt you into um like doing better like i I definitely had that like stereotypical like upper manager people just being like hey you need to everybody needs to do work harder or clean better and please take over time whenever you can but i don't think i've ever just been actively like as i was leaving being like why are you leaving you need to stay well i, I don't know i've definitely worked like 16 hour shifts before oh yeah but but i feel like that was just because someone couldn't show up and they're like you you need to stay <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know i, I don't know i, I really don't yeah. Well, um, going back to this, uh, when it comes to crunch, uh, the employees also claim that crunch was actually baked into the schedule back then as well. As in like they planned on crunch. They weren't like the way you think of crunch is usually, Oh, we use this as a last resort. Like things need to get out the door. No, no, no. They were like, okay, we're going to have crunch time here. They were just planning on it, which like crunch time only happens because there's like an, a company that's invested and they, they want you to do it, get done now. It's yeah, so angering. So moving on, uh, starting in 2010, employees also said that changes were made to the overtime system. This one's fun. There were two types of overtime. There was overtime, which is overtime, and there's flexitime. Overtime, as overtime is, uh, can be exchanged for extra pay and off days. Uh. What do you think flex time is, Beck? <laughs> it's flex time, so F E L E X I time. Yeah. Uh, for working out, you know, you, you get the flex. That's a good one. Um, actually, flex time can only be exchanged for late starts or extra holiday. So you could either come in later to work or get extra days off during the holiday season. Never heard of this. I, I've never heard of it either. It seems like an original thing to me, and it also seems kind of illegal. Um, so two important notes about flexitime. One, it was uh, determined by department leads whether the time that you spent extra was flexitime or overtime. And two, uh, flexitime was also capped at forty hours. Now, in practice, what this means is. If you reach 40 hours of uh, flexitime and a department lead decided that your extra hour after that was flexitime, it wouldn't become overtime. It was just gone. Oh, it didn't exist. It was gone. That's terrible. That was just an hour of your life. Um, Pretty bad. And again, sounds illegal to me. Like if it's not, it really should be. <laughs> Um, yeah. Once again, staff were guilted into overtime. 
uh, either to pull their own weight or sometimes it was on their on themselves just they wanted to pad their salary uh this is crazy employees uh often cited that uh, 80 to 100 hour weeks were being being common during crunch time so that's over double at the max like 100 hours a week is uh like 16 hour days on average plus i don't know like five hours four hours uh i don't i didn't do the math because it's depressing um that's all before skywalker saga this happened before this most recent game i forgot we were talking about lego still yeah hold on to the thread Hold on to the. This is this is um, about children's my, games, Beck. This is about yeah. children's games based on inanimate blocks. I really hold did. on to I that really, thread. I really forgot this is all about a Lego game. Okay. I need you to remember that. Write it yeah, down okay. if you have to. Yeah, I will stare at the word Lego because we're not done yet. We got a ways Lego, to go. Lego Star Wars specifically. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. After this, that's when Skywalker Saga was announced uh, in, within the company. Uh, with uh, Skywalker Saga, the managers opened up promising a new timeline and a new engine. Uh, this was to com- uh, combat crunch specifically. Uh, employees pointed out, very obviously, uh, that there were some issues with both switching engines and having a longer timeline. Uh, they were, of course, ignored. Uh, but to explain this uh, very basically, for one, obviously switching engines, uh, this is a brand new engine that they were making up. This wasn't like a, oh, they switched to Unreal or something, which employees did suggest Unreal specifically due to how low the costs were at the time for the license for Unreal. Uh, other devs that were there actually knew how to use Unreal. It's a very common thing and it's already established. So there's plenty of reference material if you need it but they were using a brand new uh, engine that they were making up for this. Uh, yeah. It's just a whole bunch of just work on something that like they have an idea of something, the engine that already exists and they just got to redo it better. <laughs> right. Uh, this is also the longer timeline is an issue. Uh, it's already been said before that uh, longer timelines don't help crunch. The reason they don't help crunch is because all that tells a project lead or like a dev lead or whatever you call them uh, that you need to crunch for longer. They're like, oh, we're pushing the timeline back three months. So you have uh, an extra three months until release. That means you have an extra three months to bug test. You have an extra three months to work harder. You're going to be spending those whole three months crunching. So it doesn't help with that. People are always going to find work uh, in these sorts of companies. So you're always going to have work if you just, if you just extend the timeline without also, uh, controlling yourself when it comes to assigning time. Um, that's terrible. Let's just be like, you have more time to work on this. Yay. But we're adding more work is how they look at it. Yeah. It's like, you have more time to work on this. Yay. But also you have more time to work on this. Oh, like that. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, uh, there are some other things, uh, that are general issues, uh, outside of that. Um, they described, uh, quality assurance team as being treated as less than the development team. Uh, one of the studio's moods was, uh, always described as being at rock bottom due to just constant work. Uh, of course, obviously no story like this would uh, be complete without women on average being paid less and also having less women in the senior staff, uh, like very little. Uh, there was also an apparent lack of diversity in the company, obviously. Uh, this is a problem that Michael Denny, who was appointed VP and studio head back in March 2020, claimed he would address. Uh, he has been criticized for not living up to those expectations. He was addressing both diversity, he said, and also crunch. He did neither. Um, Go figure. Go figure. Yeah. Um, this fellow, Michael, Michael Denny, he also drew controversy when hiring former Sony colleagues Eric Matthews and Mark Green as director of game development and head of game in 2021. Uh, two main problems with this. One... 
this position was apparently not very well advertised within the company. So there were plenty of veterans who had worked with this company for years who just were looked over in favor of this guy's former colleagues, which seems dubious. Uh, employees also said the other problem was that these two people would uh, exhibit issues that mirrored issues that their former uh, studio, Sony Manchester, had, where they were claimed to be micromanaging the work of their devs to the point of bottlenecking production. So they were just micromanaging way too hard, and people from TT Games were saying that they were doing that again here. Micromanaging ever work? In these big companies like this? I don't think so. No, that's the whole point of a big company is instead of micromanaging, you have other you have you have teams that spread out and manage themselves. You can't micromanage that many people. Uh, this company has about 400 people. Uh, well, had about 400 people. Uh, I should say that all of this that we're talking about here uh Part of the thing that Polygon was talking about uh, when talking to employees was trying to figure out the high turnover rate at TT Games, which is pretty obvious given everything we've said today. Uh, there were at least 40 employees out of those 400 that have had left since the beginning of 2021. Uh, so that's like 10% of the entire company had just left. Yeah, uh, which is pretty significant. And yeah. it's pretty obvious why when you look back at all this stuff, you realize anyone who's stuck sticks with this company really has some thick skin <laughs> to endure yeah, they this. Must, they have to, to like walk on Legos, man. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so regarding all this, Polygon reached out to TT Games. Uh, the spokesperson didn't answer their uh, questions. Uh, they did give a general, you know, corporate statement. Uh, they said, TT Games is committed to creating a respectful, fair, and inclusive workplace for every company. There may have been efforts in recent years, or I'm sorry, there have been esser, uh, many efforts in recent years with new studio leadership and the support of Warner Brothers Games uh, to nurture a collaborative culture and work balance, or work-life balance our employees can be proud of. Our legacy of delighting fans with the games we have created over the years is very important to us. We recognize our continued and future success relies on sustaining the momentum of the positive changes we have made to date, ensuring every employee feels supported, appreciated, and experiences a true sense of belonging. So, sure, sure. whatever that gets you. Yeah, I, overall, like, this is just so sad because, uh, first of all, as we have reiterated, this is a children's game. This is for children. Yeah. It's shocking um, to, like, look at the history of this company and find it so fraught, considering it's for children. Um, a lot of weird decisions. The decision to have just an entirely new engine for this uh, recent game is wild to me because that just takes so much more resources that they, it seems like it would not be worth it uh, when you consider that you could just get like the, like some of the employees suggested, get a license for unreal five. Uh, that seems like it would be much easier and more cost effective because you're spending money and if, if you're spending hours like extra hours trying to figure this stuff out and it's completely unnecessary because if you look at how the game works it probably would have worked just fine in something like unreal it didn't need a whole new uh game engine to make that work it's just too much work for that uh to the point that it, the game was delayed uh three times uh three separate times so uh, the, the, apparently the delays don't help if they just delay it by a few months and to be like, OK, well, we add in more work instead of trying to finish what they have there. Yeah, they don't help crunch. They just help the company get things done in the game. Uh, my, my, my guess. For it. Is just that. Oh, no, I lost my train of thought. 
Oh no, I had a I had a good thought going and I lost it. Told you to hold on to the thread. Oh no, the thread is gone. You had one job. Yeah, I did. I don't like to be Keep that going. guy, but you had one job. Oh no, I'm gonna have crunch time. <laughs> you don't Keep want going. you don't want us to have to work more, do you? Come on. No. Pull your weight. Hundred ten percent. I feel sad. No, I mean, to me, like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, they didn't want to pay for the license. It's like, OK, you don't want to pay for the license, but also you're paying people that have to put it like you're paying your entire team uh, several uh, months worth of work that you could have just not paid them and instead paid for licensing and then gave your employees a break. Just. Yeah. OK, I got I got the line. I caught the line. Yes. Uh the, the the big wigs, wigs like looked at it and they were like, well, we could just pay for the license for Unreal 5 and just lose however much money they lose through that. I don't I don't exactly know how it works. I think they because this is a big company, they they would pay a certain percent of what they make to the Unreal people. Um, or they just make a whole new engine for however many games. I, they make a literal like bajillion Lego games. There's too many if you scroll through their website. Um, and they maybe this is good that this new engine is good for the next ten games, and maybe they think that is worth more in the long run. Even so, I think it makes more sense efficiency wise and cost wise. Well, they don't care what happens to the people. You'd think they'd care about the costs. Like it would, it would save them money to just. Stick with something that exists right now and then do the do their other thing when they're ready. Whenever people have been trained on it, whenever things are fully developed, whenever it's ready to be used. It always works out better that way. It always does. I don't know why companies don't see that, but it always works out better to just wait a second and like use something that exists and not try to like do their own thing. Until it's ready. I don't, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know how long they were working on this game for. Unless you did state that. I'm not it's, sure. Uh, it was uh, since 2017. Oh, okay. So five years? Yeah, about five years. Yeah, four to five years. I don't know how much of that was used just to develop the new engine. But they should have you know, calculated that th- this is time we need to make a new engine. And then do all the Star Wars stuff like fairly certain they were just taking all of their other star wars games because they they have six star Star wars games now and they were just taking what they already did and just essentially putting it into that new engine and then expanding upon it so they they should have been able to calculate how much time and money it should have taken to make this new engine instead of making people suffer for what i assume was a bad decision yeah yeah um, I don't know. It's just, it's sad overall. Cause like I said, it, not only is it a children's game that's causing all this, but, uh, the game turned out well, it was received very well. Like everyone yeah. seems to like it, uh, from what I've seen, it looks pretty interesting. Uh, and it's sad to have the shadow of that and know that it was only good because, uh, basically no one slept during the production of the game. Uh, it's really sad to think about that. It happens with a lot of games and it's always really upsetting to find that out uh, when you have like a game that you really like and it just turns out to be that none of the developers really had a good time making it because uh, they were just pushed to the absolute limit. Um. They, uh, there's a there's a lot more that I don't think I really got to uh, in the, for the sake of time and just keeping the story concise, but uh, I encourage anyone to read the Polygon article. I will be uh, posting it in the description for this podcast, so uh, look for it there. It's a lot of interesting stuff, uh, or a lot of sad stuff, I guess. I don't know. Um, it, it's worth taking a look at if you're interested in the story. Yeah, for sure. Over, you know, Lego. Um, yeah. Let's uh let's talk about some upcoming releases before we head out today. Yeah, as as we always do. So, we've got three games here. Only one of them is actually a release it looks like. Um 
whole cloth. Uh, that that one is going to be Cat Cafe Manager uh, on Thursday, April fourteenth. Yeah, this one is fairly on the nose. So you are running a cat cafe, and have you ever been to a cat cafe? I haven't, and I feel like I should. Uh, unless you're like allergic to cats, would not recommend. I am not. But I have been to cat cafes a few times. They're like a combination of um, shelter and cafe, essentially. And you can go in and visit little kitties and play with them and then be like, oh, you can adopt them. And then when you're done with that, uh, like playing with them and just chilling with them, you can just sit down and enjoy like a coffee or cappuccino or something. Uh, in this game, you you are managing one of these cat cafes. You are finding little uh, stray cats, which I don't think is always how that works, and bringing them into your cat cafe and uh, managing them. So think think of the game as a restaurant simulator where customers are coming in, and you're, they're like, I want a mocha or whatever, and then you make the drink for them, bring it to them, and you, based on if you brought them the right drink, you get money. Uh, but you're also managing little cats at the same time, and they actually have stats that you're building up to better work with people. And I didn't play the game. I just I don't know what exactly what output you get from investing in your little kitties. Maybe more people come in. Uh, another element of it is it's got like the kind of not dating simulator aspect of it, but like you got these like repeat characters that do have character building like they come in they order their drink you get them the right drink and then you know their heart bar increases and then you get more information about them character development uh i think okay. that's just the game and i can't you actually get to fill out your own like little uh cafe so you, you actually decide how it like how it looks <laughs> so so like think you're just like placing squares and expanding upon and placing all the furniture and areas, which is pretty cool. It's not just one building that you can't change. Like, you can change the whole thing. Okay. I don't know why. I just can't help but envision, like, ordering at a cat cafe just being, okay, I want a mocha and a tabby, and then they just, like, <laughs> bring a tray, and it has a mocha and a tabby cat. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, in my experience, it was just you walk in, and you're like, okay, how, how much does it cost to see the cats and go to the cat rooms? You pay like $10. It's essentially a donation to, for them to uh, feed the cats and keep them homed and stuff. And you do that and then you leave and then it's just like normal cafe stuff. It looks like for this though, it is almost what you just said where you're like, there's cats everywhere. And I do think just, maybe yeah. this is another country. Like I feel like I've heard of this before. There are like cat cafes where it's just cats are just around yeah, I, I, whenever I first heard about them, I saw them in, like, Japan. And for the reason that they can't exactly have cats all the time, like, there's just not enough space in your little tiny apartments. So that was the, your way of interacting with a cat, was to go to these cat cafes. Okay. Uh, but here in America, you know, you just you, you go to a cat cafe to see what cats you want to adopt and look at kitties and get cat-themed stuff. I, I, I got cat-themed socks, and they're very comfortable. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And when did that game come out again? That's going to be Thursday, April 14th. So that's going to be this Thursday. Oh, are all of these games Thursday, April 14th? Yes, they are. Okay. I think that happened last week where they were all like the same day. That's just a new day. That's just a new it day is Thursdays. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like it's also for like uh, like more indie style games is going to be Thursday. I don't know. That's how it seems. Anyways, when we do our coverage, that's, you know, however many days from whenever we're looking at stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we've got uh next one. The next couple ones are actually just kind of re-releases or uh, not re-releases, but like ports and stuff like that. Uh, first one we got here is nobody saves the world that's coming out for the uh playstations four and five as well as the switch yeah this game originally came out in january this year and it's an action rpg uh you're, you're essentially a person who can transform into many different forms 
to face these little dungeons. I can't remember if they were randomly generated or not, but the uh, forms are interesting. Uh, so, uh, forms, so are you nobody then? You're essentially a nobody. Like you're you're like a amnesiac, I believe, like a, a blank slate almost, and you get like a a wizard's wand, and that lets you change your shape and form. Okay. Uh, from th- things like a knight, right? Or an archer. Like, they'll play differently, and you can upgrade them as you play. Uh, or you could be a, a rat, right? <laughs> or, or a horse. Or yes. a body Or a bodybuilder, where you yeah. throw, like, big, like, a big weights at people, which is really weird. Eat uh, the plates. Yeah, this game is also has, like, online co-op, so you could do this with a friend. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's by the makers of Guacamelee. You ever played that? Oh, okay. Yeah, so Guacamelee was like a side-scrolling Metroidvania uh, themed around uh, luchadors, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got an interesting visual visual style. It's, it's different, I will say, from your stereotypical ARPG hack and slash game. I don't think there's like loot explosions in this game, like Diablo. Okay. But you're more or less just trying to get through it and use the right transformation for the right fight. And I believe it kind of doesn't implore you to try to use all of them. Okay. Yeah, and it's not like you're just trying to platform with them. You're you're trying to kind of problem solve these big rooms of monsters and what one does whatever thing at best time, like an AoE or more uh, single target focused or a faster one type of that type of stuff. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I do remember seeing this game earlier. Uh, I didn't really see much about it, though. I just remember seeing it for a bit. But uh, that really sounds cool. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Road 96. This one is coming out for the PlayStations 4 and 5 and uh, Xboxes Series X, S, and Xbox One. Yeah, this one's... I, I didn't know about this one. This one came out uh, last... August of last year. Uh, uh, the, the gist of it is you hitchhike your way through a procedurally generated road trip. Uh, it kind of is in the fashion of one of them there, not point and clicks, uh, like a tall tale game. Right. So, uh, so like quick time events and stuff like that. So a little bit of story, maybe a lot of story. Okay. Surprisingly, like you're, you're getting to know these uh, people who, you, you know, I've never hitchhiked in my life. I think that's a way to die. Uh, but you know, you're on the road. You get in with a stranger, apparently, and you get you go on a kind of a trip. Yeah, that's how hitchhiking works. So that makes sense. Yeah. Whenever I looked at this game, I'm like, oh, that's something like it's just like this linear storytelling game. But whenever I saw procedurally generated. Uh, that, that, that I found that very interesting to do some kind of narrative procedural generation. Yeah, that is really cool. I know I, I played a few Telltale games, um, not like a yeah. whole lot, but a couple. And uh, those are fun. Those aren't procedurally generated. Uh, those are just like choose your own adventure-ish where branching storylines, stuff like that. Yeah, that's where I figure a lot of this would be like you maybe you get picked up by like a biker gang or something. And depending on what you say, it would lead to a different event. But maybe that that's the part of it, like kind of like a roadmap type of thing. Right. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Well, that uh, that's going to be out on those consoles, uh, along with everything else on Thursday, April 14th. Yeah. So be on the lookout for those on Thursday, April 14th. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any uh, anything to, to look forward to as far as like next stories? Uh, right now, I haven't really seen much uh, to know what we're talking about next week, so uh, that's going to be a surprise. Going to have to hit the pavement and see what's going on this week. Yeah. Okay. Who knows what's in the future? <laughs> uh, I mean, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman bought SNK, so who knows what's in the future? A weird week. It's been a week. 
Good thing Kingdom Hearts 4 is coming, I guess. One day I'll finish the card one. I don't even remember the name anymore. I'm so done. (laughs) Pain of memories. Yeah, never finished it. It's true. You're fine. It's like the weirdest one. (laughs) It's the dumbest one. (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm going to just watch a playthrough for the end of it, I swear. I'm I'm just... I just want to get to... like I, I still have to play back through Kingdom Hearts 2. And then I after that I have like three other games to play. Yeah, yeah, you got to play the mobile probably. game. I yeah. did play a bit of the mobile game before. A lot uh, this was a long time ago. It was probably like 5 years ago at least. Okay. Well, the benefit of the um the the one box set that I bought it's it, it's three, the Kingdom Hearts 3 and then all of the other games, but there's also little movie things that just kind of compress the whole story points of some of the like more minor games yeah like i imagine in the like five ten years from now maybe we're not going to be able to get that mobile game so that might be the only way to like see it is through like a narrative story yeah unless someone like preserves a playthrough of it where you can see the story uh maybe this is a big company so who knows who knows? We probably shouldn't get down this rabbit hole considering we're at the end of the podcast. All right. Next week, we're talking <laughs> about all of Kingdom Hearts. I'll do it, Beck. I will. We will sit here and we'll try to figure out who the hell Xehanort is because I'm still confused. Oh, OK. We could do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You heard it here. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, it won't be next week, though. It's going to take me like a year to research all this. Damn it, Beck. OK. <laughs> That'll be TBD. Yeah. Yeah. After that is Metal Gear Solid. Uh... <laughs> All right. Time to go. <laughs> See you later. Bye, everyone. <laughs>